made this recording in 2018, headed over to Indianapolis, had a handful of Indianapolis area coaches present. And uh, Mike Kirchner here did three videos. And Mike Kirchner is a uh, longtime Hall of Fame coach in Indiana. At this time was at Ben Davis High School, uh, one of the largest high schools in Indiana and one of the most successful programs in the state as well. Uh, he's now moved on to Warren High School and doing a great job over there, but uh, he's an offensive line expert, a coaching expert. He did one on his program and uh, two on offensive line play. I think you'll enjoy them all. If you want to see these, uh, they're now on YouTube. Uh, you can check us out over there or our most recent stuff always releases to clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Hello, my name is Mike Kirschner. I'm the head football coach at Ben Davis High School, and I'm here today to talk to you about uh, in, this, in this segment a little bit about what we do in our year-round program and, and how we develop athletes, uh, O-line, D-line, skill kids, and, and what I think maybe gives us a little bit of an edge uh, in becoming maybe the, the, the best we can become in Indiana. So my goal here today is to give you a little bit of an idea of some things that I think might be able to help you in the offseason. I'm going to break this particular segment down into multiple things. I'm going to talk about our in-season workouts and some things we do that are significant in-season. I'm going to talk about our off-season what I call our, our winter program, which is really two weeks after our last game. So if, if we finish the, the end of November in the state finals as we did this year, we're, we're going to start sometime the middle of December. If we finish in October because we get beat early in the tournament, then we're going to start sometime in November. So it, it, that part will vary, but the winter season I'm really talking about from November to March. Our spring season and what we do is a little bit different there in April to May. Then we got the summer program, June and July, and then the preseason, which is the two to three weeks leading up to the beginning of official start of practice. So that's the segments I'm going to break this down into that I think are really important as far as what we're trying to get accomplished here at Ben Davis. In season, we are fortunate that we have an uh, in season weight class. 99% of all our football players are in those classes. Uh, we have a full time strength coach. I'm in all those classes with them along with some of my assistants. So we're very, we're very spoiled in the sense that I have multiple coaches working with our players. But in season, they're gonna be a four day lifting routine, two upper, two lower. So they're gonna lift, say they lift upper on Monday, Thursday, they lift lower on Tuesday, Friday, but they're gonna get four lifts in season in class. Wednesday is a plyometric day, and I'm gonna give you an idea what we do in plyometrics. First of all, we come in and we do a series of warm up jumps. We simulate jumping rope in place. We simulate dot drills in place, and the kids are all in lines. There may be 80 kids in a class, 80 football players in a class. We got three lines, and they do all these jumps. Once we're done with the jumps, we're big on lunge walking. Uh, when you do lunge walking, make sure you're, you're stressing some specific things. Uh, when I'm doing a forward lunge, some of the things that drive me nuts is, is when I'm doing a forward lunge and that kid steps out and he goes down and he's got that chest up, he's got that power arch in the back, he's got that leg to parallel, the back knee is barely off off the floor, barely off the floor. The thing that drives me nuts is when they step and do that lunge and he drags that back foot, all right? Our point of emphasis on that back foot is to bring it up like you're stepping over a hurdle, all right? So if I'm gonna do a good forward lunge with my chest up, power arch in the back, and I'm stepping out like this, I'm in this lunge position, I'm gonna take that back heel, in this case my right foot, I'm gonna take that back heel to my butt and I'm gonna step over. I don't wanna see my kids lunge, stop, and gather. All right, I wanna keep that pressure on the, on the quads in this case, and, and, and so as I step, I'm gonna bring that back heel up, and I'm gonna step and reach to my next one. 
My hands are in a running motion, so every step is a lunge. So we're going to do lunges. And when I say we do lunges, we're in a gymnasium, and we're doing them from free throw line to free throw line. That's the extent of our lunges um, on our Wednesday workout in class. Then we do 45-degree angle lunge. So now we're going to take the same forward mentality. My shoulders are going to stay square. I'm not going to turn, but now I'm going to step out at a 45, and I'm going to lunge with my back foot being straight. My back foot does not flip over. Work your ankle flexion. Understand that ankle flexion keeps you from turning your ankles. So now I'm going to bend to a 90, then I'm going to bring that foot up, and I'm going to step at a 45 this way. All right? Each time, I'm working that hip rotation. And again, you do this long enough, your kids will find that their quickness begins to improve because we're working that hip rotation. And then we're going to do that. So we go free throw line to free throw, and then we're going to do side lunge. All right? couple mistakes people make in side lunges. They step out, they do that side lunge, they go down to a 90, they get to parallel on this leg, they let this back leg roll over. That foot rolls over. We don't want that foot to roll over. We want that foot to stay on the ground to work ankle flexion. The other thing I think people make a mistake of is side lunge has become, we, we use three key words, step. So I'm going to pick that foot up and I'm going to step. I'm going to squat to parallel and I'm going to drag it up. All right, what I see teams do anymore, and, and to me, you've taken away what is a really good drill and you've kind of tried to maybe make it so the kids aren't working as tough maybe as they should, is they go here, the kid gets to about a halfway, and then he rotates back and he does this, and then he hops over, all right? All they're doing is relieving the pressure. This is a single leg squat. You talk to any of the sports people, the exercise science people, a true single leg squat is, that, is this. It's a side lunge where I'm going to pick that leg up, I'm going to squat, and I'm going to drag my back leg. I'm not going to hop, I'm not going to cross over, and then my next one's going to pick that knee up and step and squat. So a good side lunge. So we're going to do it free throw line to free throw line one way, come back and do it the other way. Lunge walk's very important. Then we got a series of ladder drills we do. Everybody knows about ladder drills. You can be as creative as you want. Uh, we do forward ladder drills over and back, sides, um, all different kinds, hopscotch, repeat jumps. And then we take them back out on the basketball floor after the ladders, and we do repeat jumps, repeat standing broad jumps, repeat uh, single leg uh, lateral jumps, repeat uh, double leg lateral jumps, skip jumps, power skips, all those. We're doing all kinds of jumps. You can really tell your athletes by how fast they can recover once they hit the ground and jump back up. So if they're repeat standing broad jump and they hit and there's a pause before they can explode back in there, they're probably a lineman. They're probably not a very good athlete. When you watch your kids hit and pop, hit and pop, hit and pop, that's really a key uh, to their athleticism, their ability to redirect. I'll tell you, the one thing we do on our Wednesdays is when I usually try to invite colleges to come in and watch this and a couple other things we do. This one's imperative to me because the colleges get to see our kids' athletic movement. I've got a young man this year that's got a couple D2 offers, I swear. He's a really good football player, but he got on, the, he got on people's radar because they watched this 6'3", 260-pound kid do repeat jumps, and we're filming it, and we're just in amazement of how fast he could recover from his jumps and keep going. Once we're done with that, we do medicine ball drills, and then we do core work. So that's a Wednesday workout. So in season, they're going to lift upper body twice, lower body twice a week, and then on Wednesdays, they're going to do our plyometric. In-season day of competition. Here's my philosophy. Um, 
We're not taking Friday off. I know there's a lot of people that say, you know, you're wearing your kids out. Our kids come in to the weight room on Friday edgy anyway. They know they're getting ready to play. They know it's a big game on Friday night. There's going to be a big crowd. They're all excited. They're, all excited. they're, they're on edge anyway, all right? They're, they're a little squirrely when they come in. So most of our kids come in the weight room about 10.30 to 11.30. Then there's another group from 11.30 to 12.30 in the football program. So that's plenty of time. Six, seven hours, eight hours recovery time is plenty. So we will lift on game day. In fact, this year we played the state championship on a Saturday. Our kids came in Saturday morning and they lifted because we missed a Thursday workout that week because of it being Thanksgiving. So their four workouts that week were Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So we're even one of those, hasn't affected us. In fact, we tell our kids it gives us an edge, all right? We're gonna be stronger on Friday night because we lifted and they're sitting on their butts doing nothing. So we've never taken days off. We don't look for a way to get around it. In season, on Saturdays in season, our kids come in at 8.30 and meet with our strength coach. We're gonna get the soreness out of their body. I know some people do pool workouts, things like that. We do a, a great dynamic warm up again. We're gonna do side lunge, forward lunge, high knees, glute kicks. I'll get to some more of that later. We're gonna do a great dynamic warm up, and then we're gonna do some sort of uh, competition. Every, everything in our mind is always thinking competition. We might do medicine balls. We might do sprint drills. We might do suicides for time, but everything's done on a competition base. Our strength coach runs this while my staff's out grading film. When he's done with the workout, and the workout may only last half hour, 45 minutes, he then sits them down. This is, this is something that's really unique to our program, is bring in an outsider who watches the game. He's never missed a game. He's been our strength coach for 34 years. He's never missed a game in those 34 years. He sits on the sideline, he watches the game, and he sees it from a different perspective than maybe a coach and a player sees it. So after a win or after a loss, doesn't matter. After he's done with the workout, he sits them on the gym floor and they talk. And he tells them from his perspective and he lets them talk from their perspective. Imperative after a loss that this gets done because it allows the kids to vent a little bit before they come out. Um, after a loss, everybody's kind of mad, everybody's pointing fingers, coach didn't do this, player didn't do this, so on and so forth, whatever it might be. This allows them a chance to air out their feelings. He then will communicate with me before the kids come out about what was said and things to maybe look out for. Now, our high school is a 10 to 12 high school. We have a separate freshman center. Our freshmen started lifting the, uh, during the summer coming into their freshman year, so we, they're not in the class. So when I say there's 80 kids in a class, those are just 10 through 12 football players. My freshmen aren't in it. So our freshmen then work out after school. Before they go to practice, they're gonna get there four days a week in. They play games on Saturday, so they're gonna lift Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is their four lift days. But they're gonna get four lifts in before practice and they're gonna to go to their practice. Lifting is very important to me. I think it gives us an edge. Um, and then you're gonna see some data on this here in a little bit about what we do. Here's what an in-class looks like, an upper body. Our upper body lifters are going to do bench, bicep curl with either, we do dumbbell curls or we do manual resistance where them and their partner, and they, may, uh, they get on the preacher bench and the partner puts both hands on the wrist and he's got to fight him going down and then he's got to fight him coming up. We're working resistance. So we do it one of two ways. On upper body, they do a single leg, uh, single arm dumbbell military press. We do lats, we do triceps, we do back extension, abs and core work. That's an upper body lift. On a lower body lift, we're going to do squat, heel raises, and neck machine. Neck machine is done four ways. You do it forward, you do it backward, you do it side, side. So they combo the heel raise and neck machine together. We do hang clean and power clean. 
Hang clean on anything that sets reps greater than six is a hang clean. Reps six or under is a power clean. We do single leg squat where they're up on a bench and they're going to do single leg squat, holding it out front and work on that balance of doing a single leg squat. Then they're going to do split squats where they put their foot on a bench behind them like this. They're going to hold the weight up overhead and they're going to go down into a squat position, working arching that back. And then they're going to do kettlebells. With our kettlebells, we do single leg deadlifts like this. And then we do kettlebells where they're going to bring the hips up like this. So we're working kettlebell work at the same time. So this is an in-class workout and this goes the whole time we're in school. Whole time we're in school. So from August to May when we're in school, this is our in-class workout. Off-season now. Off-season now, the November to March. We're still doing our in-class workout. Football season is over. We've given them a two-week break and now it's time to start our off-season program. So we have a five-day in-class routine, which I've already explained. Now we're going to do a four-day after-school routine. I believe that our in-class program is a, is a athletic enhancement program, okay? Our athletic uh, strength coach had put this program together. Our girls' basketball team uses it. Our swim team uses our cross-country. It's an athletic enhancement. So our football players now have to come in after school to do what I think are athletic football enhancement lifts. Now, I've got kids in sports. I've got kids on the basketball team, the wrestling team. In the spring, I've got kids on the baseball team, the track team. It doesn't involve them. These are the kids that aren't in a sport and, and are going to be doing something after school. And they're going to be doing it Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So if they did upper body in class on Monday, they're going to do an after school upper body lift after school on Monday. If they do lower body on Monday, then after school, they're going to do more lower body. And these are more football specific lifts. So they're going to do multiple things. After the lift, on Tuesday, Thursday, on Tuesday, Thursday, after the lift, uh, we're going to run open gyms. Quarterbacks, receivers, DBs, linebackers are going to work on throwing and catching. O-line, D-line is going to be working on footwork drills, whether it be ladders, whether it be bag drills, but they're going to be working football. It's completely an open gym. Fridays, after the weights, Friday afternoons after the weights, we have a competition, maybe tug-of-war, single one-on-one -on -one tug of war team tug-of-war, dodgeball tournament, basketball tournament. We're going to compete. Fridays, in our mind, is always a day of competition. It's never going to change. We're never going to stop. Every Friday of the entire year, we are going to compete in something, and that includes the summer months. So we're always thinking that Friday is a competition day. So in our minds, every Friday is the best day of our life because we're going to get to compete. And with those competitions, there are winners and there are losers. Sometimes we just reward the winners. Winners get Gatorades. Sometimes after the tug of war, losers are going to do stairs, all right? We're going to give them something to do that rewards winners and, and, and deals with the losers. So there's consequences, so they're always thinking about competing on Friday. Another thing we do, and I'm going to show you an example of this here in a minute, is we do goal setting. Uh, just like in class, you give your students certain things to shoot for. About seven, eight years ago, I started setting goals by position. So if you're a DB playing for us and you're benching 200, and we're on a nine-week cycle, nine-week lifting cycle. By the end of that nine weeks, if you're doing 200, you better be doing 220. If you're doing 300 squat, you better be squatting 360. Giving them goals, I'm going to show you how we deal with that in a minute. And then we finish uh, the, the, the segment, the November through March, with a weightlifting competition that includes bench, squat, clean, 40s, and a team tug of war. We give lots of awards. We have a good time. I'm going to explain more of that in a minute. <clears throat> on my PowerPoint here, you're going to see a goal setting. Young man at the very top, um, we, we give them their current bench. Then the next column tells them the goal. 
Then the squat, their goal, their clean, their goal, their big three. We give them a vertical jump goal and a 40 goal. We feel like a nine-week goal setting is imperative to get our kids to, to, to live up to a standard and not just go through the motion of lifting. So we set goals by position. The position coaches have to do this. The one you're seeing is, is the DBs, which was my position coach. Um, so we make the position coaches. They're posted on the weight room boards. So the way, in the weight room, the positions are up there. At the end of the nine weeks, uh, new goals are set, and the old goals are either in red or green. Green meaning you hit the goal, goal. Red meaning you missed the goal. And if you missed, then you have to have a meeting with the coach as to why you're not reaching your goals. By doing this, we have, we have reached a level of strength in our program um, that has never been reached before. Uh, we consider a club member, uh, people who lift certain amount of weights, when I first got to Ben Davis 18 years ago, total club members, bench, squat, clean, whatever the clubs were, were about 70. Now our club members are about anywhere from 170 to 185 club members each year, and I'm gonna show you some data on that as well. All right, here's our current uh, chart, at least it goes up through 2004, it gives you a little bit of an idea. Um, when I got here, club members, uh, or before I got here, 1984, they would have, if you look on the sheet, to a 200 pound club. 200 pound club is repping, repping 200 pounds on a bench 10 times, all right? 235 clean, one rep clean, 400 squat, one rep, 300 bench, one rep, all right? They had a total of 12 club members in 1984. This chart carries it up to 2004, there's 103. Last year we had 178 club members. We had 62 kids in our program who could power clean 235 and up. We had a half a dozen kids who can clean over 300 we don't drop our clean weights. We bring the clean all the way up and then they got to take it all the way down to make it a good weight. Our, our linemen are very athletic. Our skilled guys are very athletic. And I can usually tell our level of athleticism by the number of kids we have in our power clean club. But on this particular chart, we chart from our sophomore to our senior year, there's two year strength changes. So a senior coming into our program, his bench on average will increase 95 pounds. His squat will increase on average 124, and his power clean will increase on average 70 pounds. When you leave, an average senior will be able to bench 265, squat 375, and clean 235. If you can get your kids to that level, you'll be able to compete at almost any level there is. Um, this next chart gives you a listing of what our, uh, our bench, 10 reps, and it shows you from 2016. This was our total club members in 2016. We had 48 kids who could bench 200 pounds 10 times. We had 17 kids who could bench 300. We had 41 kids who could squat 400 and up. We had 62 kids who could power clean uh, for a total of 187 club members. Our after school program, as you'll see on this next chart, if you are doing upper body in class, you do upper body after school. Now they're gonna do dumbbell incline. They're gonna do seated rows. They're gonna do three-way lateral raise. They're gonna do dips, decline, pull-ups, jammer machines and we talk about this they're doing a jammer rotation where they're turning and throwing those hips and doing a jammer rotation and they're doing close grip bench we're working that forearm that's an upper body football workout all right nobody else does this in the school after school but us lower body now they're going to do jammer extension where they're down here like this they got both hands on the jammer machine and they're extending and unlocking those hips they're going to do leg press they're going to do front squats step ups and, and I'm going to tell you, step-ups to me are, are one of the most important lifts we do, especially for linemen. So what they're going to do is they're going to get 
uh, weight on the, on, on the big bar, and, and for lack of a better thing, they'll start with 145, and they'll have that weight up on their shoulders. They'll clean it up. They got a bench here, and they're going to take that thing, and they're going to step up on that bench, all right? And I'm going to bring this in here real quick, all right? And they're going to step up on that with that weight on here, and they're going to step up, and they're going to drive that leg up, and then they're going to step down, and then they're going to step on the other leg, and they're going to drive that leg up. By doing that, you're bringing that hip explosion and that power is coming to you, all right, as you step up with all that weight on there. And when we're doing our high reps, they're doing lots of reps with lots of weight. You got a spotter standing directly behind him so he never loses his balance, never falls, but it's huge. We do manual neck, we do lunge walk, farmer's walk, side lunges. Whenever we do our lunges after school, we're doing dumbbells. So if I'm doing a side lunge, I've got dumbbells out front. If I'm doing a forward lunge, all right, I've got, I'm doing a forward lunge with dumbbells up here. We're always rotating with dumbbells and working that. So that's our, in, so I went over our in-class lift. Now this is our after-school lift. Here's some pictures of our weight room, some things we do. Now I'm going to talk about our lift contest. You'll see there's a picture. Our lift contest usually involves about 10 schools. Uh, we've had as many as 600 athletes in the lift contest and as few as about 350, depending on what schools come in and here. The reason for the lift contest, it has zero to do whether or not we win a football game on a Friday night. It's to give our kids motivation to lift hard during, during the off season. So the November, January, February, we get ready for the lift contest in March. It's a great way to go into spring break. You bring all these kids in, our kids get all fired up. Everybody's lifting, everybody's testing. You get to see who's strong. You also get to kind of see who competes. I always have that kid comes up, goes, Coach, I ain't feeling it today. What do you mean you're not feeling it? Compete. If you can't feel it today, you're not going to feel it on Friday night. We're playing one of the top teams in the, in the country or the state. So the lift contest is really big. You're seeing a picture. There's lots of people. We don't charge anything. It's completely free. It's free to the public. It's free to the athletes. It's free to everybody. All right. Uh, the purpose is for us, motivation for our kids in the off season. I've given you a list. This is a flyer I send out to the schools that are in it. Um, you can see the 10 schools that were in it last year. And uh, there's an entry fee for a coach, but that just covers the cost of our awards. The coaches paid the entry fee, not the players. Uh, and you can see the awards we give and the different procedures. I've also given you a, a flyer on here or a, a slide on here that tells you how we, our rules are done. We don't allow straps. We don't allow rosin. We don't allow lifting shoes. We don't allow spandex. It's a t-shirt, shorts, and tennis shoes. We want to see how strong the football player is not how many uh, pieces of apparatus he can use to take an advantage of it. So um, we, we test in the squat, we test in the bench, we test in the clean, we test in the 40. And then a few years ago, we started a team tug of war that became a, a, a big deal. Everybody really loves it. While we're dealing with the awards and getting the final tallies result on who wins, who loses, um, we, we create a tug of war uh, competition between teams. Uh, kids have a lot of fun with that. We start the day at 8 in the morning. We finish about 3 in the afternoon. We do this on a Saturday. We're fortunate that we have a big indoor facility which to do this in. Um, everything is done by coefficient. Uh, if you didn't, then only people that would ever win would be the big guys. Uh, because we deal with body weight and coefficients, young guys, I've also given you a chart of where we're at coefficient-wise and, and the numbers within our contest and, and how we compare with that. And then you can see on the wall here the number of times we've won it. Uh, which has been a lot in, in the past years. All right, this next slide I'm showing you is on our weight room board. This shows you a, a, 
a grouping by, by year a little bit and, and also how we keep track of what kids are in clubs. So if you look at the 200-pound bench rep club, the kids in black are the kids that have already made the club. The kids on the right that haven't been filled in yet, they're penciled names. And the reason they're penciled names is they're projected based on their last max to hit the club. We have found out over the last 18 years that we're within 5%. So if we project that we're going to have 180 club members, we're within 5% of that every year. That, that means we know our program's working because every year we get the same number of kids almost uh, percentage-wise that hit the clubs based on their projections and what they can do. Um, this next thing is a chart we do. We put these in the program. You're going to see this here in a minute. But our number of seniors. So in 2016, we had 38 seniors that were in our lifting program for two years. Of that 38, 23 made the 200-pound club. 32 of the 38 made the 235 club. So of our seniors, there were 38 of them. 32 could clean 235 and up. Only six didn't make it. There were 10 300-pound benchers, 19 uh, 400-pound squatters, or half, 50% of them, and then uh, 15 in the 935. So of our senior class, 38 members of our senior class, 99, they, they accounted for 99 different club members, all right? And then you got your junior class and your sophomore class. So this tells us, and we can kind of gauge a little bit, I'm not saying it's directly related to wins and losses, but when there's years when we're way behind in our clubs and the number may be, uh, I mean, you look back in, in 2012, there were 61 senior club members. We had a decent year, we didn't have a great year. So there's a little bit of a correlation between our strength and our speed development and things like that that we get from our weight room that kind of tells us where we're going to be in the fall. Off-season spring now, changing gears. We're through the winter months. We're through the November, uh, January, February, March. We've come back from spring break, and we're now in our, um, our spring workout, which is April and May. It's the last two weeks leading up to our summer program. So we're in the April to May. So we're still in a five-class routine in class. Two upper, two lower, one day uh, speed athletic enhancement. But now we're only going to go two days a week after school. We're going to go Tuesday, Thursday. So they're still getting one upper after school lift and one lower after school lift on, um, dur during the sp spring. And we still do our open gyms. All right, open gyms where they're throwing, catching, working on footwork drills. We might just do cone drills one day. We might run stairs one day. But we're still doing that two days a week. What we've eliminated now is our Mondays and Fridays after school because now what we do after spring break is our Mondays and Fridays, they're going to come in early in the morning. We're going to call them our 6 a.m. workouts. We modeled it after the colleges. Uh, I started this uh, now would be six years ago. Uh, we talked about it for a number of years. Our attendance in the spring on, on Fridays was dwindling. We were struggling. The weather gets nice. Kids want to go home. and We kept saying if we started a, a morning workout program, the kids wouldn't show up. That was really as an excuse to, to not try it. So our first year in 2011, uh, we averaged about 51, 52 kids would show up on Monday and Friday in the morning to work what we called speed development, quickness drills. I, I'm not a, a big believer in straight line speed, but I'm a big believer in change of direction speed, and, and I think there's a difference between the two. Um, and so uh, that was 2011, 51, 52 is the average. This last spring, we averaged about 105. Um, so again, the old adage, if you build it, they will come, works. If, if you make an excuse saying they won't do it, then that's an excuse that's on yours. At least try it. So we do Monday and Friday speed development or quickness training. 
All my staff is there. We'll run seven stations. There'll be an obstacle course station. There'll be a pro shuttle. There'll be an L drill. Um, there'll be a line, just a five-yard line touch. There'll be sled pushing. There's tire flipping. Uh, we finish with tug of wars. Again, we finish with competition. The minute the weather turns warm enough, we go out on the game field. We crank on the game lights. We crank up the music. It's early in the morning, and the kids get after it. The kids then go to class for the rest of the day. They go home at the end of the day. Um, it's become very big for us. It's a big part of what we do. We go through the first couple Mondays, Fridays by position. So all the old linemen are together, all the D linemen are together, the linebackers are together, so on. Then as we get into it, because this is a, a six-week program, as we get into it, we then, to amp up the competition, we match them up by position. So we say, all right, at this station, senior running backs versus senior linebackers. At this station, junior and sophomore running backs versus junior and sophomore linebackers. So now you're going to compete. Running backs versus linebackers. O-line versus D-line. Quarterbacks, receivers versus DBs. Creating competition gets you to see who wants to compete, who gives up way too early, who wants to fight for an extra yard, who wants to fight for a position, who calls who out, who says, I want to go against you. We have a running back that was really good this year. Um, he would literally go and find the best DB and say, you come with me today. Let's find out who can win this drill, who can win the pro shuttle, who can win the L drill. It's all designed to get them to compete, but everything is designed for strength training and more importantly, change of direction. In football, if you can get athletes who can change direction with as little effort as possible, you have a chance to be very successful. We keep it intense, we keep it fun, we let the music roll and our kids have a good time with it. Now, we're gonna move to our, our summer workout. Our summer workout is a three-day workout. All right, our summer is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I know a lot of coaches like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. They say their kids won't come in on Friday. Again, we have created a mentality on Friday that it is game day. Friday is always game day. So if you take Friday off, you're saying you're not going, I can't count on you on Friday in August. I can't count on you Friday in September because you're taking the day off. Well, we're going to go three times. We have a very large program. I have 240 players, 9 through 12. So we have to run our weight program in three segments. There's a morning segment which is for 10 through 12. That'll go from 10.30 to noon. We have an evening segment for 10 through 12 and that goes from 5 to 6.30 and then our freshmen go from 5.30 to 7. So we run three groups. So it's Monday, there's a Monday-Friday lift routine and then there's a Wednesday lift routine and with each lifting routine there's a plyometric athletic enhancement routine. Um, Monday, Monday will be jumps and plyo medicine balls. All right, so after they get done lifting, we go outside if the weather permits, inside. If we're not, we go outside and we do a uh, plyo routine uh, where it's a lot of jumps, a lot of uh, repeat jumps and medicine balls. On Wednesday, the workout's a little less strenuous, and you'll see that here in a minute. It's a little less strenuous workout, so the athletic enhancement workout afterwards is much more difficult. We're gonna do cone drills, square cut drill, uh, all different kinds of square, very intense, very physical. We're going to do line drills, five and back, uh, all different directions. Again, changing directions, dropping hips, turning. Then we're going to do suicides, five and back, 10 and back, 15 and back, same type of thing. Uh, first part of June, when our kids start doing this, they don't handle it very well. Uh, a lot of kids get sick, um, have a tendency to not be in the shape they need to be in yet. Uh, but as the summer goes on, it becomes easier and easier. Then Friday, we just create a competition. Maybe a truck pushing competition. Maybe a tire flipping competition. We have sandbags. We carry sandbags. We relay races. 
uh, played giant aired out, but we're going to create some sort of competition on Friday. Again, it's a year-round mentality for us. Our summer lifts, Mondays and Fridays are our big lift days. We're going to do squat, bench, clean, lats and tries, military, all right, bicep curl, back extension abs. Six stations, uh, we've combined lats and tries into one station, military and bicep curl into one station, back extension, abs and neck into one station. So we've got an upper, uh, full body workout on Mondays and Fridays. Really heavy, uh, bench squat and clean. On Wednesday, uh, our workout's a little different. We're gonna do dumbbell incline, some of our after school lifts now. Lunge walks, uh, three-way lateral raise and, and, and bicep, single leg squat, single leg deadlift, lat pull, heel raise, and manual neck and crunches. So we got two different kind of lifts going in the summer, but we're only bringing them in Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. This is one of the things, what I call co-captains, that I honestly and truly believe is a game changer for us. It is a three-week conditioning program that starts right. We have in Indiana, we have a moratorium week. So the week of July 4th, we're not allowed to have any contact with our athletes. No lifting, no running, no contact, no open fields, no open gyms, no throwing the football, no seven on sevens, nothing. It's a dead period. But when we come back from co-cap, or when we come back from our dead week, our moratorium week, we start our co-captains. This is run by our strength coach and myself. It's a very intense three-week, four nights a week conditioning program. And I've given you in these slides that you will see, I've given you the entire program, everything we do in it. They're, they're, I'm not holding anything back, and it's what we do. When I got to Ben Davis, uh, when I was in, first an assistant at Ben Davis, it was um, semi-required of juniors and seniors, not required at all of sophomores, and I, I struggled with that. When I became the head coach, it became a requirement of all three. Now, I've got a lot of basketball players that play AAU during this time. They're gone. They're on the road traveling. I understand that. I don't penalize them but they're gonna make up what they've missed. So the days they're not there, they're gonna make them up once we start practice. The guys who never miss a day, which believe it or not is about 85% of our players never miss a day in these three weeks, don't have to do any running once we start practice in August. Just the guys that have to make them up. I'm not penalizing them, but if you're out having fun, you're on vacation, whatever, and your buddies are back home working, all right? I feel it's imperative that your buddies know you're going to have to do what they did. We start with a, what we call our co-captains or dynamic warm-up. It's a 30-yard warm-up down and back. So they're going to do high knees from goal line to the 30, three lines. We pick three guys that we call the co-captains. Doesn't necessarily mean they're the co-captains of the season, but three guys we think are the leaders. All right, this year it was a quarterback, um, a DB, and a linebacker. And each one of them is in charge of a line. All right, so the first line's up. They're going to do high knee for 30 yards. They're going to go high knee down, starting at the goal line at 30 yards, he runs the line, me and the strength coach wait at the 30-yard line for them to get there. Then the next guy runs his line, the next guy runs his line. Then they do high knee coming back 30 yards, so that's 60 yards of high knees. Then they're going to do 60 yards of glute kicks, 60 yards of high, uh, high knee crossover, down, back. Lunge walk, karaoke, half slow, half fast. We say half slow, the first 15, they're doing karaoke where they're doing it just like this, nice and slow, knees bent, chest up body level down, working those quads, working those glutes. They're going to do side shuffle with a broomstick where they're working side shuffle. They're just working like this, keeping those feet apart all the time, hands up front. Then they're going to do side shuffle fast where they're going to go as fast as they can. Side lunge, 15 one way, 15 the other, come back, 15 one way, 15 the other. Backwards run, rotator where they're running forward, 
The co-captain says hit, and they'll start off going down, going from the goal line to the 30, and they're going to rotate to their right. You will be amazed at how many kids cannot figure this out. And then you got to start questioning, if they can't figure out how to rotate to the right, how are they going to figure out how to line up on a Friday night? Again, it's eye-opening when you start watching your kids. So you rotate to the right going down, rotate to the left going back. Lateral run. We work lateral run. We're always working with our shoulders square, and we're running in front. It is a run. We're going to forward, we're going to face the bleachers, and we're going to run with our shoulders square crossing over in the front, keeping our hips square. You think about a linebacker. He's working down. He's working downhill. He's working that lateral run. My power pole, I talked about in another presentation, they're working lateral run. So it kind of fits as a football movement. Hand down, they're going to run forward. Every five-yard line, they're going to change the hand. The hand palm has to be out. So as I run forward, I'm going to touch with my right at the five with my palm out. I run forward, I get to the 10, I touch with my left with my palm out. The reason we turn the palm out, all right, is to get that motion this way. All right, we don't... If you just try to tell them to touch, they won't even go down. We're going to push that palm down because it forces our hips to go down as we do this. So we're, again, we're getting that bend. Pop-ups are exactly what they are. They're going to run in place. They're going to sprint five. Captain yells hit. They hit. They pop up. When they hit the ground with their chest, they pop back up, yell BD, and they jog to the next line. Co-captain's got them jogging. He yells hit. They hit with their chest. They pop up, BD. You get three lines going of 120 guys. Freshmen aren't in this. All right, this is 10 through 12, 120 guys yelling. It's pretty neat. And then the last thing they do is they bear crawl. Once they're done with the dynamic warm-up, they get a three-minute break. This will take you a half hour. The dynamic warm-up alone is a half hour. They get a three-minute water break. When they're done with the water break, they come back. We take attendance. Here's something unique we do with the attendance. The players got to get up and introduce themselves. So we start with the seniors. And each senior gets up, and the sophomores and juniors are sitting there. Everybody's got to be behind the line. They're all sitting there, and the senior gets up, and he says, my name is Mike Kirshner. He steps back. The next senior stands up. My name is Joe Smith. We're forcing every person on the team to learn everybody's name, understanding that everybody on the team is important. Everybody's important. And so when the sophomore stands up, it's the first time in the varsity program, he's a little intimidated. So he stands up and he says, his name is Joe Smith. No, say your name loud so they can hear you. By the end of the co-captains, the end of the three weeks, the sophomore stands up and we make a senior or junior tell us what the sophomore's name is. That way they know, we know they're paying attention. And now everybody knows everybody. It's not just, hey, you. We're all in this together. We're all one. It's a, it's a brotherhood. All right. So once the warm-up's done, we start our three-week conditioning program. So the warm-up's every night. We take the break. They get water. And then we start. So our first one, I've literally given you in segments here the four. All right? So there's four first week, second week, third week. At the bottom of this first slide here where I'm talking about co-captains week one, I've given you the times. Everything is done by time. And the reason you do that is you're forcing them as a group to reach a common goal. You're teaching them to compete as a group. If, you, if you're willing to fight with this, and this is not easy, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to go through bits and pieces. If you're willing to fight through this, you're not, you're not going to quit on Friday night on us. So the first one, the very first night after the warm-up, because the warm-up's enough to gas some of them, the first one, the first night is a build-up. So a 100-yard pyramid. 
10 and back, 20 back. And when I say back, they sprint 10, jog back to the goal line, sprint 20, and they're still in their three lines. Your first line is made up of the fastest guys. That's your DBs, your wide receivers, your quarterbacks. Your second line is made up of your next fast. That should be linebackers, some really good DNs, so on and so forth. Your third line is your linemen, okay? So you're going to see how this works here in a minute I get, when I get to the, the next one. So they're going to run 40, jog back. The next guy goes, jog back. And we do that all the way up to 100, and then we do that all the way back down. Our first night, we do not time anything. There's no times because we're just working a buildup, getting the cardiovascular going. Um, we'll take um, rest in between, but in the first one we don't because it's a buildup and they're jogging back. And then at the end, we usually finish about 8.15. We have this huge stretching uh, routine that the co-captains lead. We make announcements, the kids head home. I'm going to get to the second night. Our second night, we're going to run four sets of 10.40s. So they're going to run 10.40s, three-minute break, 10.40s, three-minute break, 10.40s, three-minute break, 10.40s, three-minute break. So they're doing four sets of this, all right, after the dynamic warm-up. And you can see that anytime we run 40s, the time they have to make down here, time standard says 40, 40, the time standard is 22 seconds. That means all three lines have to cross that 40-yard line in the 40 seconds. But here's the, here's the catch. The second line doesn't get to go till the slowest guy in the first line crosses the 40. So your first line is your fastest guys. Me and the strength coach are at the 40-yard line. He blows the whistle. The first line goes. When the slowest guy crosses the line, he blows the whistle for the second line to go. When the slowest guy in the second group crosses, he blows the whistle for the third group to go. The last guy in the third group has to cross that 40 yards in 22 seconds. All right? It's not easy. And here's what happens. There's a guy in the first group who at about 34 yards decides, you know what, I'm just going to kind of slow down and saunter across the line. He ends up being way behind, and he's your slowest guy in the first group. So now group two is already behind the eight ball. So they got to go faster than they normally would go to make up for the guy in the first group, and so on. So by forcing it this way, you're forcing each group to work as a unit. So if the first group has a guy screw up, he screws up the second and third group, all right? The, the thing you got to be careful of is everybody thinks since the third group's linemen, they're the slowest. It's usually somebody in your first or second group who kills you because he's not going hard. The second thing I use this for is I want to see who's going to push themselves. You'll always find that one really good athlete who puts himself in the second group and not the first group. He runs in the middle of the second group, and he's always looking right to left just to make sure he's not last. He's not pushing himself. He's not competing. He doesn't want to be the best. I want the guy who wants to be out front, who wants to push him so hard to exhaustion that I know I can count on him on Friday nights. Third night, we run bleachers. Fourth night, on that first week, we're running a pyramid. 560s, 570s, 580s, 590s, 500s, three minutes rest between each set. Week two. Four groups. Now we're going to do a change of direction line drill. Very similar to what we do on Wednesdays in June and, and after weights. Then we're going to do four sets of 10 50s. So now we're going to run 50-yard sprints, four sets, three minutes rest. Then we're back to bleachers. Then we got another pyramid, 60s, 80s, 100s, 80s, 60s. I'm going to explain the, 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 the purpose that's here in a minute of, of why. It, then week three for Monday. This is week three now, Monday. Four groups, five-yard drills. 
Then another pyramid. But now it's 1030s, 1040s, 1050s, 1040s, 1030s. Uh, we run hills on, on, on day 11. Day 12 is our big one. Five sets of 1040s. All right, that's our big one. Uh, and last year, we knew we were going to have a good year. We got to the five sets of 1040s. And normally, we have to rerun some because we don't make the 22 seconds. We've screwed it up. Last year, we didn't miss a one. Kids were on fire, man. They couldn't run fast enough. They couldn't run hard enough. And I could tell there was something special getting ready to happen with that group. All right, they weren't arguing about who was not running hard. They just went out there and competed. It, it was pretty neat. Now, you'll notice that everything that we do, when you look at these numbers, you start adding up the math of the yards we run, everything's built between that 1,600 to 2,000 yards. That's kind of what we're after, 1,600 yards to 2,000 yards. You'll also notice that some of the workouts don't require as much sprinting. Those are the workouts on days that we usually lift hard, a lot of bench, a lot of squat, all right, where, they're, where we're doing more of change direction workouts and not as much speed workout. So that's our three-week co-captains. If a kid buys into co-captains and a kid shows up every day and does what we ask, the chances are we're in shape. We're ready to roll. We don't do a lot of running in season, all right? Our running usually consists on money to get the soreness out from Friday, uh, you know, to kind of carry over from what they did on Saturday mornings, but we don't do a lot of running in season. Um, something else we do, um, this, this is our seniors from 2016, kind of gives you an idea where they start, where they finish uh, on their strength training. This is something that goes in the school's uh, fall program. In our fall program, we put all kinds of weightlifting data so the parents get to see their names, kids' names, not just a picture, a, a team picture and a picture of the kid, they get to see, all right, this young man here at the top started uh, bench when he was a sophomore at 140. He finished at 190. He started squat at 230. He finished at 400. He started uh, clean at 140. He finished at 250. Shows you what the improvement is. It's in the um, school program that's handed out in the fall. Pretty neat little deal. Uh, showed you a picture here of all the things we do and the, the different club members and the pictures that go in the fall program for their parents to see. Key elements of a high school strength and conditioning program. These are what we think is key. Building technique, teaching them how to do it right. Establish a set of rules and discipline. There's no food or drink allowed in our weight room. No cutoff t-shirts, no tank tops. Our kids have to wear t-shirts with sleeves, gym shorts, tennis shoes, non-negotiable. No food or drink, non-negotiable. Weight room is gonna be picked up. All weights are put away after every workout. Nothing is left out. All weights are put back in a specific place and put away. Teach them a sense of pride in their weight room sense of pride in taking care of what they're supposed to do. Atmosphere, sense of belonging. Our football has become a club, for lack of a better word. If you're not there, everybody knows you're not there. Our attendance boards tell you who's there. Our attendance boards, everybody's held accountable, so on. It's a year-round program. That's not to say our kids don't play other sports. Last year, of uh, 75 kids on the track team, 45 of them were football players. Eight baseball players on, on our varsity JV out of, out of what amounted to 22 players. Our kids play other sports, that's not the issue. But the kids that aren't in a sport better be working with us year round. Workouts are very structured. Testing and assessment is imperative because it gives your kids a sense of accountability and monitors a sense of progress and it develops athletes. And that's ultimately what we're after. All right, the results of a great athletic program uh, in, out of season and even in season. Increase in school pride. Our kids love being part of Ben Davis football. They love wearing the weightlifting shirts. They love being part of something special. Um, gives attention to schools, other programs. 
other programs. Our basketball coaches bought into everything we do football-wise. He now makes the basketball program do our in-season program, our out-of-season programs, our after-season. In fact, the basketball players have to lift with the football players out of season. He loves what we do. He loves the toughness that it brings. Increase in participation. More students experience the extra benefits of extracurricular. The more you can get involved. I've been asked many times over my uh, career at Ben Davis, uh, why do we not cut? Uh, this year's team, 2017 team, we, had, we finished with 53 seniors. Um, obviously, not all those seniors play. Why don't I get rid of some of those seniors? It's a real simple process. It's better to belong to something than not belong to anything. I know if I get my kids to belong to my program, their chances of graduation go way up. In fact, if you finish my program, our graduation rate is 100%. I have a great um, amount of kids who go off to college. I'll give you an example. Uh, the national average for kids going off to college to play football at D1, D2, D3, NAI, and junior college of all seniors in the country is 6.5%. That's the average that actually get a chance to play some level of college football. At Ben Davis, we're at 41.6%. We use football as an avenue to get our kids to go to college. Our graduation rate, if you finish with us in the program, is 100%, and there's a good chance I'm going to get you to college to play football. We have a great program that, that teaches uh, academics as well as athletics. Increase in self-esteem. A, a strong kid feels good about himself. A kid that works out feels good about what he's doing, and he feels good about what he's doing for himself in the long run, and you're building a lifelong thing of developing physical fitness. How to gain support from an AD. All right, if you're thinking about starting a program, in-class season program, uh, present a PowerPoint presentation. Show them the benefits. Background, teach them the education of what an in-season or um, an in-class program will do. Um, it helps all sports. It's not a football-specific thing. Your philosophy is why it fits to the school. What will do this for the school? At Ben Davis, we've had an in-class lifting program since 1985. We were one of the first ones in the state of Indiana to start it. Um, it's been an integral part of why we've won nine state titles in football. Our first one was 87. We've won nine, which is the most of any public school in the state of Indiana. Um, rules, legal issues involved, having a strength. Uh, you, can, you can put all those aside. It's a PE class, and you're developing a lifelong learning of fitness. Um, and in order for the program to work, your AD, principal, administration's got to be on board for support. I've concluded here with a couple pictures of our weight room. We have a 7,000 square foot weight room. We're very blessed to have the equipment we have, and the administration helps us continue with that. Um, as I wrap this up, um, sports is an avenue to develop men. Sports is an avenue to teach our kids, and I work in a socioeconomically diverse uh, poverty, impoverished school. Uh, we use sports to teach our kids how to be better husbands, better fathers, and, and, and better men. And, and if we continue to do that through sports and we get them to teach their sons that, we can end some of the things that go on in this world that, that, that sometimes seem crazy with the violence and the drugs. So take the time to talk to them, take the time to build relationships with them, but most importantly, take the time to love your athletes because in the end, that's all that really matters. Thank you.